welcome back, everybody, to the Ask LFC podcast, or if this is your first time jumping in and hanging with us due to, uh, you know, crazy circumstances right now, we, we welcome you along the ride with us. I'm sitting down this morning. My name is Harrison Gilming. Uh, I'm sitting down this morning with Pastor Mike Moses. What's up, Mike? Hey, Harrison. Uh, and we also we also have the we need to find a sponsor for the guest line so we can be a real official. But our official sponsored guest line guest calling in this morning joining us is Pastor Aaron Gibson. What's up, Aaron? Hey guys, I'm super excited to be on with y'all today. The guest line is brought to you today by the doctoral program at Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary, where Aaron <laughs> is an almost doctor, Reverend. Gibson. Wow. Did you know that? Most people don't know. He's he's in the process of earning his doctorate, and then we can call each other Dr. Doctor. Man. There, there's, some, there's, there's some kind of joke in there. I'm not sure what it is, but once we get there, it'll be the Dr. Doctor show. It'll be great. Well, as I mentioned before, just to stake my claim here at this table of greatness, I can solve a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> that's so, just throwing that's that worth more than my doctorate. Yeah. In terms of brain power, probably. Hey, we are, it's the Ask Lake Forest Church podcast. We're uh, the Lake Forest family of churches. I'm the lead pastor of Lake Forest Church Huntersville on Gilead Road. Aaron is the lead pastor of Lake Forest Church Westlake. And Harrison, we've been actually collaborating more than normal, our two churches, during the past couple of weeks. That's right. I was. Uh, we're Just to preface before we do this, we want to let you guys know that today we're going to be talking a lot about fear and anxiety, and we're going to get to that stuff here in just a second, and that's that's been something that we've been hearing uh, a lot of, of questions and, and fears from people, but before we do that, real quick, Mike and Aaron, what's kind of the status update? We are a family of four churches, so what's the kind of across the board, what's Lake Forest looking like right now for the, our family of churches? Aaron, why don't you talk about how we're collaborating right now? Well, uh, Michael, you, you guys know this. A lot of churches across the nation, especially ch- churches that are church planting churches like ours, uh, we've we've lost uh, access to our facilities, and so our hands have been tied, uh, appropriately so. We we worship in a school gym. Uh, of course, we're moving towards uh, having a permanent building, but we worship in a school. And that school, because of uh, the governor's guidelines and and all the situation we're facing uh, has been shut down. And so uh, because of that, uh, we're really leaning into the strength of our family and and, um, partnering up with Huntersville. Uh, Our big brother church has just been awesome uh, for Sunday worship, be able to continue doing so online. Yeah, we've shared online 10 a.m. live worship on Facebook Live and live stream. And we're we're committed to keeping that live as long as regulations allow. And, And the current new order in our county, Mecklenburg, does allow for that the same way we've been doing it. We're going to pay even greater attention to dis- physical distancing uh, in the building and no more than 10 people in the worship center at a time. But we'll continue that. But um, Lake Forest Davidson has been doing the same, a Facebook Live worship service from their offices in Davidson. Uh, Lake Forest Church El Buen Samaritano, our newest Spanish-speaking church in our family of churches, uh, just ceased public worship this past Sunday, but Pastor uh, Victor Leal did something pretty neat. Um, he wrote up a short sermon as a devotional with some encouraging prayers and uh, and brought church to the whole neighborhood where their church is based in. Put them in every—he got up at 6.30—he went out at 6.30 Sunday morning, put them in every mailbox in the neighborhood with Bibles, 
and then put on their neighborhood Facebook page, hey, we just wanted to offer church to you if you're looking for some hope from God in this circumstance. I just thought, Pastor Victor, man, that's super creative. Hey, our, our partner church, Liberation Ministries, many of you know, we're also allowing them to use a different part of our building so they can host their Facebook Live worship because they're also a church plant that meets in a school, so that's closed to them. And then uh, we have a meeting tomorrow, Aaron, that you and I will be part of where we're, we're, we're circling in and praying about where the next church plant of our family of churches will be. So uh, because we still have a hope in a future, and it's pretty much centered on Jesus and being churches that point people to the grace, love, truth, and hope of God found through Jesus. And so we'll keep starting new churches uh, as we are able, and that'll happen next year. But Harrison, remind us again what we're talking about today. Yeah, we're talking about fear and anxiety. We are, um, we are, we had a great series planned before all this happened called Lent, and we, we had a few really good weeks of that. Uh, but we also um, have the flexibility here to take a look at what's going on around us and say, the thing that we were going to talk about this weekend, is that right now what people need to hear? And uh, Mike, you and Aaron and, and, and some of the pastors talked, particularly the two of you guys, as it relates to what we heard this last Sunday here and decided, you know, it might be time, uh, might be time to call an audible. Yeah. And we're, yeah. we're, we're stepping up to the line and saying this is maybe not the direction we need to head in this morning. So Aaron uh, did a, a fantastic job talking this last Sunday about uh, fear and anxiety. And we had a, a, just a couple of follow-up questions from that that we wanted to share with people and some, some additional information, some strategies and things like that. So without any further ado, we want to jump into that. So my first question, Aaron, for you is, um, why in your mind was this, uh, something that felt important to talk about? Well, uh, you know, it's, it really is just the, the air we're all breathing right now, isn't it? And, and forgive the bad, um, analogy there, the air we're trying not to breathe as well. Um, but we are, uh, we all have an emotional Touché. response. Yeah. Yeah. We all have an emotional response to this. Um, uh, we are emotional creatures. Uh, this is the way God has wired us. And and uh, we all are feeling something in response to this. And for a lot of us, what we're feeling is fear or worry or anxiety. Um, some some of us don't feel that fear. Some of us just feel anger. Uh, maybe we're, we're angry at people who are afraid or we're angry at how people aren't responding. Um, and then some of us are feeling a whole uh, array of emotions and, and just trying to get our minds around what is happening there can be a lot. Uh, the truth is this kind of event in our world triggers stuff for all of us. And uh, I'm, I'm a feeler. Um, I, I'm an ENFP. If you're familiar with those letters, I'm, I'm a type two, whatever kind of uh, test you want to put on me. I, I feel things intensely. And uh, this has been a part of my journey uh, over the whole of my life, managing worry and anxiety in my in my own story uh, has has been a big part of my faith journey. And so I was really excited to come and share uh, just some insights. I think, you know, the God's word says a lot about this uh, because this is uh, the collective reality we all experience as human beings made in his image. So, well, uh, yeah, Aaron, I was really excited to talk about it. Aaron and your one reason we invited you. You and by the way, Aaron is calling in from Denver, North Carolina. I appreciated in your message Sunday. You talked about the first step 
is just telling the truth about ourselves, telling the truth about our emotions. I was able to pass that along and share that and then ask the 20-something community group to practice it last night in our large online meetup, and it was super helpful. And that, that uh, while God calls us to move toward faith and act in faith, he also, that's not a call to, to pretend about the real emotions we're feeling because emotions aren't right or wrong. They are. Um, but he doesn't, so to not be paralyzed by it, we first need to be honest about how we are feeling. And it's all over the map. Everyone listening here is not paralyzed by fear, but everyone listening does have some overwhelming emotions at this time. Aaron, I, I was interested in hearing you drill down further because I know how you are when it's something that you care about and you've studied, you've gone way down the rabbit hole more than your average bear, certainly more than me. You taught you 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 referred in your sermon to some aspects of the brain as it relates to anxiety, depression, and fear, and I think you you simplified it for people like me as alert mode and chill mode. Can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, um, in my previous life, my area of study focus was psychology, and actually, is my my uh, undergrad from UCLA, and so. One of the things I was just so fascinated by during that time was really how much of this is built into the brain science. Um, in fact, one of the big findings in the last uh, 30 years is something they, they call the anxiety gene. Um, it's the gene number SLC6A4, just just for reference, Mike. Hold on, um, a, second. But, Hold on a second. Let me write that down. Can you say that one more you're, you're time? You're just showing <laughs> off now. Say that one more time. Well, uh, uh, you know, the, the truth is that uh, we all have uh, different size uh, anxiety genes. Uh, we're all prone to anxiety, but some of us are especially prone. And even as I say that, some of our listeners are going to now be anxious about whether they have a long anxiety <laughs> gene or a short one. Yeah. Does, does 23andMe and those other genetic tests <laughs> quantify that? But the, but the truth is, uh, the reason I mention that is, is God created the brain to be responsive. And we kind of know this. We remember this from even our, our middle school biology class, right? We, we all learned about the flight or, or, uh, or fight sen- uh, mm-hmm. tendency. Mm-hmm. And the human brain has those two modes. It has an alert mode when there's a real threat. And it has a chill mode, which is meant to be the state of rest. That's intended to be our default mode. We were to live in that restful mode. And then when a, a trigger or a fear comes into our environment, of course, we are supposed to respond in that way. Aaron, isn't that... that- it's so true what you said earlier that God's word is intentionally speaking. It's an arrow targeted to the actual human heart. And so the most beloved of all scriptures starts with the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside still waters. Like our shepherd leads us to the chill state. That's our resting place. That's yeah, so you know what what a lot of people uh, will say, you know, what what's the difference between fear and anxiety? And, and there's a lot of writing on this. One of my favorite definitions is that um, uh, anxiety is nothing more than low level fear that won't go away. Hmm. And uh, I, I, I that's been helpful to me in my own journey because what I realize is in a time like this, you know, we we can have real threats. Uh, on Sunday, I talked about you know the idea of a bear in your campground. Uh, there's a very real threat, and of course, you want your body to go into alert mode in that moment. And that's what our bodies do when we're afraid. Uh, our our pulse quickens, our blood pressure rises. Um, the important chemicals of survival, cortisol, adrenaline, those surge into our bodies. Um, but 
uh, if we don't eventually find a state of rest again, those chemicals stay in our bloodstream and we stay, we remain in that constant state of alert. And quite honestly, that takes a toll. Uh, our bodies are not created to stay in constant alert mode. And, you know, I found myself, I don't know about you guys, but I found myself by the end of last week, I was just worn out. I was just tired. And I thought, why am I so tired? I haven't even been going going to the gym. You know, I haven't even been doing anything, exerting any energy. But my body had been in that constant state of alert and had not been I had not been allowing it or, or pursuing states of rest to help it restore and, and renew. When you said that on Sunday, Aaron, for me, it was a light bulb moment because that's something my, Mike and I had talked about a little bit last week is uh, as we as we spoke to our friend Daniel in China, who's been locked down, he said, prepare to be tired. And we're like, OK, well, OK, we'll prepare for it. But hearing hearing you speak and and putting it in those terms scientifically is kind of eye opening because it made the why made sense to me. It's like, OK, our brains are not turning off right now. We're we don't have that that time to just take a deep breath and relax, you know, as simple as it is turning on the NBA game does that for yeah, some people. And yeah. like, we, we don't have a lot of that stuff. We're just going. And, yeah. and so, so putting that, putting that idea to it is, um, is really help has been helpful it for is. me, Aaron. And Aaron, that helps clarify for me something, another distinction that I often help people draw and discern about themselves when they are talking with me as their pastor about anxiety or depression in particular, is there, there is a distinction between uh, episodic or situational depression and anxiety and uh, clinical depression and anxiety. Uh, for example, if you lose someone you love, if they die, that, uh, and you are feeling down or depressed, that's situational or episodic depression. That's normal. It's rational. We should feel that way. If three months later you can't get out of bed uh, or, or even barely even admit that the sun is shining, that's probably turned into to cl what we call clinical depression or anxiety, which requires medical intervention. Uh, and so we're all experiencing situational or episodic anxiety and or depression at this moment. It, it's, it's, there are a few people maybe who are immune to it. Um, their chill mode is so high in their brain, but most of us are experiencing this either uh, at certain times during the day or consistently for this period of time. A little bit later, I want to talk about when somebody does identify, oh yeah, this is situational depression or anxiety. I'd like to give a couple of examples about how you can actually act your way out of situational anxiety and depression. Uh, as opposed to, if it's clinical, really need to seek uh, help, yeah. medical help. Aaron, a lot of our fears and worries right now are about the future. What, what do we do with all the things that you've made the distinction in your sermon about things we can control and can't control? What do we do with all the things we can't control about the future right now? You know, uh, Mike, I think this is one of the most interesting things about this situation we're in. Uh, it really is uh, a kind of pulling the curtain back. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I found myself having to look in the mirror and get honest about how many things in my life I live with 
imagining that I'm actually in control of them, right? Actually, imagining, pretending to myself that I can control my children's future, uh, pretending that I, I somehow can affect uh, things like the economy or where this world is going. I live with the illusion of control, but uh, this season is, is uh, exposing how many things in the world really are beyond my control. And, and that can be fearful when I first realized that, but I actually think it can also be liberating. And, and let me unpack that for a minute. Uh, you know, I think the scriptures are really clear. Uh, God does not call us to be in control. He calls us to be responsible. But in order to be responsible, we have to be able to identify what are the things I can actually control and what are the things I can't. And so one of the first things we have to do in, in a season like this when we're fearful, and this is part of why naming that fear or anxiety is so important. When I name the thing that I'm afraid of in that moment or worried about, then the second question I have to ask myself is, is this something I can control? And if it, if it is, then I, I need to decide what, what to do about it, right? And so right now there are a lot of things we can control. There are choices we can make about whether we leave our house or don't leave our house and, and uh, what do we do in terms of the practical guidelines that we've been given. These are realistic things in our control. Uh, I can also control uh, what I do with my time during the day. And, and I, you know, I, I joked on Sunday about um, getting up and, and actually taking a shower and putting my pants on. Uh, you know, one of the things I've, I've begun doing is I, I have a, a pair of shoes. They're my indoor shoes. And I put them on every morning as a way of saying, look, I'm, I'm going to work in my home office. Uh, this is I'm, I'm not just going to lay around in my pajamas and eat Doritos all day. Right. There, there's some things I have that are within my oh, control. You mean you mean. That hasn't been a good idea for me. The, <laughs> That's well, why I this is a podcast, not a video cast, so you can't see my fat face. <laughs> I now have yeah. two sign-in, uh, video sign-ins on my phone. I have my normal face and my fat face. Well, I, you know, I, 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 you know, as a moment of confession, I think the first few days I spent at home, I was a total slob, you know, and I thought this isn't sustainable. This isn't good for me. I've, I've got to establish some new rhythms. These are things that are within my control. Uh, but then the things that are beyond my control, once I name those, what do I do with that? And, um, you know, this is where I think, again, God's word is so powerful on this. We have uh, in God, we have a refuge. We have a shelter. I love that phrase, shelter in place, because God's been talking about sheltering in his place hmm. for millennia. <laughs> and yeah. so when we talk about finding our shelter in God, our refuge in God, that's where we take those things that are beyond our control. Uh, Archibald Hart, who uh, actually uh, has written a ton about this, he is a Christian psychologist, uh, actually founded the School of Psychology at Fuller Seminary in Pasadena, California. And uh, he, he taught a lot on this. He, his writings have shaped this so much for me. He says there are two critical um, prayers. He calls it the so what prayer and the oh well prayer. Let me play these out for just a moment. When I'm worried about something uh, in the past, that's happened in the past, and I, I can't go back and undo it, or I can't go back and get a mulligan on it, right? And But I still am worried about it. And this is for people like me, where anxiety is just kind of a part of our life. This is a really common experience. And and what I do in those moments is I, I do the Archibald Heart Prayer. I say, I think about that thing. I can't control it, right? I can't go back and undo it. And I hold that thing before me with Jesus' help, and I just pray, oh, well. Oh, well, I blew it on hole number three and shanked it way off into the lake and I don't have any other golf balls in my bag, right? Oh, well. <laughs> and I pray that oh, well prayer and it's a form of releasing it. 
Now, in times like this, the other prayer is absolutely the more important one. When we're worried about something in the future that we can't control, how long are the schools going to be out? What's going to happen to my retirement plan? Those are things that are not within my control. And so Archibald Hart says we pray, so what prayers? So what if school is out for another eight weeks? And I know that sounds a little trite, but let me give an example. Uh, you know, th- take that school one. Like we've been living with this. How long are my kids going to be home? How long is this going to last? And and Archibald Hart would say, well, go ahead and name the worst case scenario. What if school is out until summer, right? And he says, and we name that fear. We play the movie forward all the way to its end. And we say, we, we think about that and we say, so what? And I realize in that moment, you know what? If the kids are out all the way until summer, it, it's going to be hard. We're going we're gonna to have to change a lot of things around the house and what we do. But we will all get through it. Aaron, we I, will all I, be okay. And Aaron, I think that so what uh, prayer can also be super practical. So what if I work at home for the next month? So what if my company furloughs me? And I have to apply for unemployment support. Uh, That prayer can actually lead me, instead of being locked up, to saying I can't control that, but I'll start planning. How would I get by on 40% of my income for X amount of time uh, after I apply for unemployment? That could become very practical and action-oriented. So let's dig into that a little bit more. I'll actually pull back the curtain here for two seconds. (laughs) When we get together and we plan out uh, a teaching series— we ask ourselves as a planning team two questions. Uh, what do we want the people of our church to know during this series? And the second question we ask is, what do we want people to do to, to keep ourselves moving towards the practical? So my question for Mike, uh, you first, and then we'll pass it over to Aaron. So we know what we know now. We have, we have the information, fear, anxiety. What, what do we want people to do? Yeah, let's talk about some practical things we can do to deal with ang- ang- the episodic anxiety, depression, uh, which are results of fear. I, I like that was helpful, uh, Aaron. This uh, the low level noise of fear, um, and, and what are some practical things we can do? Uh, well, Aaron has pointed out fear is not just in our minds, but it's also in our bodies through our brain chemicals, etc. And so it's important that we use our bodies as tools for processing this. I'm going to offer a couple of examples uh, that are very practical. Aaron's going to offer some as well, and and, and some that are more um, familiar to us as spiritual practices. So, uh, example, I was mentored in this recently by Pastor Byron Davis, pastor of our partner church plant, uh, The L, Liberation Ministries. Pastor Davis's wife, Sherry, they had a tragic event in late September. I remember where I was in the car in South Charlotte when I got the call that Sherry had not just one stroke but two. Hmm. Uh, Byron has been her primary caregiver ever since then. And she is still, they're still struggling to regain normality of function of her body and speech, etc. Uh, and it's been hard. Um, it's just been very hard. And Byron said this to me and then later to our group of pastors when we meet once a month. He said, uh, the way Sherry and I, we've lost a lot. We've lost who we thought we'd be as a couple at this age. We, we don't, we're uncertain about the future of her health. But we've managed to not get depressed. 
Not that we don't feel down. I was like, well, Byron, how, how have you done that? He said, we've cried a lot. That God's given us that mechanism. And so when we feel it, we encourage, when we see it in the other, he's like, baby, let it out. And by that means, for six months, they've staved off episodic depression, feeling <clears throat> down about their loss from becoming clinical and, and a, a besetting depression. And so some of us just need a good cry when you feel it coming on. When you feel the fear of the future or the fear uh, or the sadness of what has been lost, a, a birthday celebration, if you're a single adult and you're just super lonely without contact, it may be just stop and cry it out. God's made her. I thought that was helpful mentoring from him. An example from my own life, in the mid-90s, I found myself battling with depression for the first time in my life. I was in my uh, 20s, mid to late 20s. And I was like, that's weird. Everybody who knows me knows I'm a happy guy, not as a virtue, but by temperament. Like, what? How, how am I being depressed? And so I, I, uh, I audited my life, and here's what I realized it was. Grunge rock had come out. Aaron, you'll appreciate this. And I fell in love with rock and roll again. Like, I, I was kind of done with where rock had gone. I fell in love with it, primarily because, like, early grunge rock was dealing with real existential questions. Particularly, it, they were examples to me of this is where life goes without respect to God. This is the hopelessness or the angst. So I was, dude, I was listening to all, name your favorite grunge rock. I was listening to all of them all the time. And I realized it was bringing me down. Huh. It actually created situational depression in me through the inputs into my, my ears and my brain. And so I just did what we're be, everybody's telling us to do, which is right now in this case, which is limit any your exposure to the extreme voices on either end of the scale. Like we need to keep up with the news and with the facts, but whatever voices you're listening to that are screaming one way or the other, we need to really limit that severely. Because when I did that with grunge rock. <laughs> I returned to normal, happy-go-lucky, almost get on your nerves because he's happy, Mike Moses. Hmm. Aaron, what practical things would you share with us today? Well, I love that example, Mike. I think that's so uh, so important to realize. What are we what are we putting into our brains, right? Because our our brains can only work with what what we give it, uh, which uh, it, it, oftentimes we're not aware of what we're pumping into into a, our brain. Uh, but, you know, I was thinking about one of the one of the interesting things about the scriptures, because, you know, in 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 our culture today, we're still living in the modern Western world. We're still living. We're coming out of this in postmodernity, but we're we're still living in this season where we have have this dualistic mindset. We we think of the mind and the body as separate things. And and that really has has more to do with Plato and less to do with with the Bible, right? Because the the Hebrew worldview and 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 I think even the New Testament and and Jesus worldviews is is that the mind and the body are integrated, and that's what we've been talking about today. You know, this is our our, our bodies and our minds, our spirit. That is all connected, and that's the way God wired us. And so, what's cool about that is that when we're dealing with something in our mind, our bodies can actually be a tool to help deal with what our minds are wrestling with because they're connected. 
And so one of the practices that I, I've been leaning into in this season is something that Christians have practiced for centuries, which is just called a breath prayer. Uh, it's, it's prayer that pays attention to my body. And so in the mornings, I'll usually start with this. Uh, I mentioned this on Sunday. I'll light a candle, not out of anything other than, uh, I don't know about you, but my mind tends to wander in prayer a lot. And by lighting a candle, it gives me something to focus on that helps helps me when my mind's wandering. And I'll come in. I'll just, I'll just sit and pay attention to my breath for a minute. And after I I'm become aware of my body, uh, I then will choose a scripture for me over these last two weeks. It's been Psalm 46, w- verse 1, right? Uh, he, God is my uh, refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. And I'll just recite that to myself two or three times as a way of inviting my body to lead my mind and my soul into a, a place of rest with Jesus. And I got to tell you, man, that that has been a game changer for me over these last few weeks. In fact, on some of my bad days, I'll actually come back to that same practice later in the afternoon. It's almost like I need a double dose that day. Right. Uh, But some other things that we can do, Mike, you already named it. Uh, I I think we got to be aware of what we're putting in our minds when we realize um, all the stuff we've been talking about today. uh, It kind of changes the way I think about some of the New Testament scriptures. You know, Paul says, uh, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, suddenly that verse has a whole new kind of meaning for me as I'm imagining anxiety and fear and what kind of stuff I'm putting in my mind. Uh, he also says, what kinds of things should we think on? Well, think upon whatever's good, whatever's true, whatever's beautiful, whatever's praiseworthy. So how am I doing that? What, one of the ways I'm doing that is I'm trying to find 15 minutes every day to get outside. There's a little bit of a challenge on some of the rainy days we've had, but but just to get outside and, and let that let God's goodness and beauty begin to fill my mind and shape some of that. And then finally, I've, I've just been practicing that so what prayer every chance I get. I, I try to move from what if to so what. And every day I'm doing that when when stuff comes up for me. And, uh, you know, honestly, uh, if folks are interested in doing a deeper dive on some of these habits, uh, at, at our Westlake Church uh, la- last summer, this last summer, we did a three-week series called Releasing Anxiety. And uh, in that opening message, uh, I did a deep dive on some of these practice practices and how we can respond. And those are available on the on the Lake Forest website if anybody wants to get on there and find that Releasing Anxiety series. Aaron, here at Lake Forest Huntersville, I heard so much uh, gratitude for that series that you did in August. Once or twice a year, our churches do different sermon series for about a month. Most of the time, we're doing the same series. Uh, But when I heard such great response, if you'll remember, I asked for your permission, and I adapted one of those sermons for Lake Forest Huntersville because people needed to hear it, even then before this happened. Uh, So thank you for that, bro. Hey, Aaron, let's finish up. How can uh, we—there are a lot of people listening, many who don't, but many who do have children in their home or, or a grandkid or uh, how can we help kids with their anxiety, depression, fears, in as much as they're feeling it in some similar and some different ways from us? Mike, this is a question that's near and dear to my heart. I already mentioned, you know, I, I'm a feeler. And so it's not surprising that some of my kids have that, that same temperament that I do. And uh, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, the way my my anxiety showed up was was I would get belly aches and I would literally, you know, I I wouldn't know why, but my belly would just all of a sudden be hurting. And, uh, you know, for a lot of our parents, 
uh, some of the worry that our kids are, are that their kids are experiencing might show up in ways that we don't initially recognize as as worry or anxiety. And so I think the first step, it, just naming it with them is huge. Just helping your kids. Now we don't want to fill them with fear. Uh, we don't we don't want to um, put additional anxiety on them. Super but inviting them. Point. Super. Oh, yeah. Treat, treat them age appropriate. Don't treat them like a a thirty three year old living in Manhattan by themselves. Yeah. You know, you know I heard um, uh, over here in Denver we have a a restaurant called Japan and it's it's uh, great great place for some delicious Asian food. And uh, I heard a, a family at Westlake, their five year old, they were going to go there for dinner. This was about a week ago. They're going to go there for dinner, and the five year old said, "We can't we can't go to the Japan restaurant." They have coronavirus there. And it was just this realization. You know, this kid's been listening to the same news that his parents have been listening to, been listening to the same uh, radio that his parents are listening to. And he's picking up on all this stuff, but he doesn't have a framework to understand that. Right. Uh, and so it, it's it's important for us to realize what are what we're listening to. Our kids are absorbing what we're talking about at the dinner table. Our kids are absorbing. I think I think also, Aaron, it's not only that it's it's in addition to the conversation, I mean, this is true with everything, but it's like quadruple true for this is that even as parents our our attitude that even as, as you and your spouse are talking about it, when you don't even think your kids are listening, the, the tone, the, the anxiety that, that you have, man, you're at least in our house, man, our, our kids, can soak up our moods like a sponge and the way that we present how we're feeling about it. They, they like take on that emotion. Harrison, Angie and I were now our sons are adults. And so we talk, they're like our best friends. So we talk really openly with them about politics and state of the world and our opinions when they were young, really all the way up until high school, we did not have those discussions with them. We would inform them of what's going on in the world, but we did not have them with us when we watched the news back when you used to do that on TV uh, in the olden times. We were, we were super careful about l- limiting that input into our children. Aaron, uh, any other thoughts about how we can help children at this time? Yeah, I think there are two things uh, that we can do. Well, for, well, three, I guess. First is that naming it, right? Simply sitting down with your child in a safe place at a time when they feel comfortable sharing and just say, Hey, what, what are you worried about? Or, 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 or what are your thoughts about this? How are you doing? Uh, and then carefully, uh, modeling for them, how you're naming your fears and then what you're doing with them. You know, there are a lot of talk in Christian culture around spiritual leadership and what that looks like in the home. This is what I think spiritual leadership looks like. It's naming my fear and modeling for my child, how I take that fear or that anxiety to God in prayer. So one of the ways I, I do that uh, for myself with my kids, we, we do the Lord's Prayer nightly right after we read Lord of the Rings, which we're almost done with. So shh, don't tell me the ending. Uh, but we uh, we do uh, we pray that prayer. And then I invite them to share with me one thing, one worry or concern about tomorrow, the next day that I can pray for them about right in that moment that I can ask mm-hmm. God to help them with. And uh, I'll tell you what, that every night when I do that, that is a glimpse into my son's hearts. And it's a real special gift to me. And then I pray for those things. Again, I'm modeling for them how they can do that. Third and finally, uh, I think we can invite our kids to control what they can control. Remember the important thing, right? Uh, what Differentiating between those things they can't control and those things 
they can and giving them as much opportunity as we can for them to have some control over their environment or their schedule. Obviously, we don't want them running amok or running the whole ship. Mike, I love your phrase. We don't want to give the kids the corner office in the house, right? But at the same time, what are some ways that we can give appropriate control to our children so that they experience uh, some normalcy in that way? Good stuff, helpful. man. Um, I have one one final question. This is a short short answer. This question is officially sponsored by Define Coffee that is still open and serving delicious coffee out of their front doors that are open where you don't have to touch anything and you can order on an app. Uh, our friends, our friends there are keeping trucking and we love them. So this question sponsored by them, Mike and Aaron, what is one book or show or something as you've had downtime sitting around your house and not running around, it can be super stupid or something insightful, whatever. What's something that you're, you're enjoying consuming right now okay, out in the world? Great question. Check this out. Last night I was like, okay, babe, I, I was on zoom meetings until past nine o'clock last night babe, I need to just completely chillify my brain. And so it's weird, given my sunny disposition, I actually, Angie thinks this is really weird, I actually really like post-apocalyptic literature, uh, fiction, and movies. So what's awesome, I've been, my so what, Aaron, to your prayer, my so what is, well, I guess the so what scenario is the, is Mad Max. <laughs> so last night, guess what movie I watched? The first Mad Max. Yep. And it was odd how, like, it was an indie film. Like, it must have been like two guys with a camera and a budget of $10. Uh, uh, I don't know how that turned into what it became. So either tonight or tomorrow, I'm going to watch two. I'm just going to follow them through. That's great. <laughs> This is, good. This, is, this is almost embarrassing to admit out loud because this is this is so funny. So contra what what while, while Mike's watching Mad Max last night in the Gibson house, uh, partly in honor of of his recent passing, uh, we decided to watch that old Kenny Rogers movie Six Pack. Uh, so <laughs> about super as, about as touchy feely, good feeling as you can get. That's a great family movie. How about you, Harrison? Oh, uh, we we have a couple shows that it's been really fun that we watch now with our kids. So there's one, it's just a dumb game show. It's called the wall. And they, they pick a couple who has some great story that you want to root for them. And then they literally do. Did you ever watch um, the price is right? Yeah. So there's a game called Plinko where they basically drop drop a thing and it lands in a slot. So they do that. Every time you get a question, right, they drop a ball and it can either, it can land in up to a million dollars on the slot so they answer Whoa. the question and the ball bounces and my kids are like on the edge of their seat. But if they get the question wrong, wherever the ball lands, you lose that amount of money in the game. And it's like they're on the edge of their seats, man. It is, <laughs> it is awesome. So, you know, I think to uh, to your point, make sure everybody that you have really it sounds stupid. But to your point, Aaron, like finding ways to get your brain into chill mode and watching Mad Max and Kenny Rogers and dumb game shows is is actual self-care right now. Yeah, I think so. Well, with that, <laughs> on that note, let's finish up. Friends, we appreciate you listening. We hope this is helpful to you. We take the sermons a bit further. We interact with your questions weekly and with timely subject matter. We hope it's worth your time. And I just want you to know that we love you. More importantly, God loves you. 
Mm. Uh, and if you need to be reminded of that, you can reach out to any of your pastors or ministry staff at any of the Lake Forest churches to make a video or phone appointment. We love you. Aaron, thanks for sitting in with us today. Oh, guys, it's been great. It's been a real joy. Thanks for letting me crash the party. Hope to do it again. Oh, we will for sure. See you, see you guys, Lake Forest. Thanks for sitting with us.